Amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Craig Thompson, and I am the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you gathered with us this morning for worship. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. If you would go ahead and turn there. Those of you who are members here at Malvern Hill for a little while, remember that we, we've recently preached through the book of Romans a few years ago. So for some of you, maybe this will be familiar. We are continuing in our sermon series, Church Checkup. What does it look like to be a healthy church? This morning, we're going to focus on the importance, the imperative, the necessity of healthy churches to have an evangelistic fervor. Healthy churches share the gospel. Well, I guess I should clarify, healthy churches are made up of people who share the gospel. You know the way this works. If something is everybody's job, it kind of becomes nobody's job. Well, the reality is that the communication of the gospel is your job and my job. It's got to be an individual responsibility. We get to share the gospel with others. And folks, healthy churches are made up of people who don't just show up to hear a sermon on Sunday morning. Healthy churches are made up of people who work diligently to live out a sermon every single day of every single week, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all whom they encounter on a regular basis. So this morning we're going to consider what it looks like to be an evangelistic people. How is it that we can live out the implications of this salvation by regularly proclaiming this powerful gospel message that is given to us in the words and the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to read Romans chapter 1. I'm going to actually begin in verse 13, and we're going to go all the way through verse 17, but we're going to focus this morning on verses 15 and 16. I do not want you to be aware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would work in this powerful message. Lord God, not a message that is, comes in power because of the voice that proclaims it, but Lord God, because of the voice who wrote it. We pray, Lord God, that the gospel would be powerful today, and we trust that it will be, because your word promises that, you're, that you, Lord God, will never allow your word to return void. We also know that the gospel is the power of God for salvation and for life change. And so we trust in that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I woke up, as did all of you. Amen. We should have gotten one of those. I'm not a, we aren't one of those good amen in churches. Because in one of those good like revivalistic amen churches, I could have said I woke up and I'd have had 15 amens that would have come out. Maybe we need to work on that. I woke up. 
And, no, you can't do it now. You're cheating. <laughs> but I woke up this morning. I rolled out of the bed. And, um, you know, I had a great confidence that the light would come on in the bathroom when I went in there to brush my teeth. As a matter of fact, before I even made it to the light switch, I got up and I walked across the room and I turned off the alarm on my cell phone with a great confidence that phone had charged overnight. I had a great confidence that when I walked down the steps this morning and into the kitchen that the coffee pot was going to be hot, that the coffee was going to be black, and that life was going to be good. And I believed all of that because I have a confidence in our power grid. I actually believe that coursing through... Those lines that come into my house and working its way through all the wiring inside of my house going to each and every switch and each and every outlet, I believe that there is an electric current that is running actively waiting for me to tap into that and to receive some benefit from it. Matter of fact, we got some folks in our church that are responsible for making certain that when I plug in my coffee pot, there is electricity on the other side of that plug that's going to connect to it and give me hot coffee on Sunday morning. I need it. Oh, I didn't get an amen for that. <laughs> folks, I'm curious, do you believe in the power of the gospel in a way that you believe in the power of the electricity that runs in your house? See, we don't have a doubt. As a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, we have such a belief in electricity and so much confidence in the power of a light switch. What happens when the power goes out? We still flip every switch in the house every time you walk through the door, don't you? The worst thing that happens is for the power to come back on in the middle of the night. Why? Because every light in the house is on. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. I wonder if we have as much confidence in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we have in the connectedness of the power grid coming to our house. Am I as confident when I share the gospel of Jesus that it can effect change as I am when I flip the switch that the light can come on? Healthy churches are characterized by a commitment to and an excitement for evangelism. And I want to suggest to you that healthy Christians are characterized by a commitment to and an excitement for evangelism. Evangelism is not an exercise reserved for the elite few among the church. This isn't the Navy SEALs of Christianity. This is supposed to be the everybody of Christianity. Trees grow... Rain falls and Christians multiply. That's just what we're supposed to do. And we do it with the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, do you believe in the power of the gospel? I'm not going to beat you over the head about evangelism this morning because it's come to my attention through the years that guilt is a pretty terrible motivator. See, if I make you feel guilty, I might get you feeling just guilty enough to walk out the door and, make, and, and, and do something for the next 20 minutes. Okay? It might be that we do have enough effectiveness that you feel guilty and you go to the restaurant and you share the gospel with your waitress. Now, if I get you feeling real guilty, some of you will make your waitress's life terrible because you will pull her over to your table for 20 minutes to try and share the gospel with her because you feel bad about what you hadn't done. I'm not going to beat you over the head with the gospel this morning, or, or with, with, with this idea this morning to make you feel guilty. Instead, what I want us to wrestle with this morning 
is whether or not we believe in the gospel. Do we believe in the power of the gospel? Do we believe in the effectiveness of the gospel? First thing this morning we've got to understand is that the need is real. The need is real. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Paul also says, I'm eager to preach to you the gospel for those of you who are in Rome. Why is Paul so eager? And why is Paul not ashamed? We need to keep reading for just a minute. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Paul says that I need to preach the gospel because the wrath of God is already being poured out against those who don't belong to Jesus. Paul's going to go on in Romans and he's going to say this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Jesus Christ. He's going to say that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is going to say that it is appointed unto man to die once and after that to face the judgment. Jesus himself in John chapter 3 said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But what else did he say? He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Because why? Because the world already stands condemned. Why is the gospel necessary? The gospel is necessary because there is great need. There is great need because all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us that humanity discovered their most fatal flaw. And the most fatal flaw of humanity is in their ability to disobey God and to commit sin. Adam and Eve said, God, I don't want to live by your rules. I'm going to live according to my own rules. I want to live my way. God, don't tell me what to do. I can do me all by myself. Now, the Bible shows us exactly what happened right then and there. The Bible says that Adam and Eve committed that very first sin, and when they committed that first sin, sin always does two things. Sin separates us from God, and sin separates us from those we love. And in that very first sin, we know that Adam and Eve were separated from God right then and there. They hid from Him, but they were also separated from one another. They hid from each other because they were embarrassed, they were afraid, and they were ashamed. Folks, that's what sin does. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And Jesus says that we stand condemned already. Well, one of the reasons that we don't share the gospel, if I can just be totally honest with you, is because we don't really believe that people who are separated from God in their sins will die and inherit a Christless eternity. See, one of the reasons that we don't share the gospel is because we live in a culture that refuses to focus on anything serious for an extended period of time. Because the concept of people really dying and really going to hell is uncomfortable. And it's a lot easier to look at crazy cat videos on YouTube than it is to, to linger for a little while on exactly what it is that might make you uncomfortable. But the reality is that those who die apart from Christ inherit a Christless eternity. And that should break our hearts. Folks, it's not just a reality that those theoretical people who die without Christ inherit a Christless eternity. The same is true for those of you who are in here today who have never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. See, the sad reality is that if you've never experienced a saving personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope for you in eternity. 
You see, outside of Jesus Christ, if you were to die today without Jesus, you will not wake up in His presence. You'll open your eyes in torment. See, the truth of the matter is that if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need Christ. Because Jesus alone can save. What is it that drives us to a willingness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? First and foremost, it is the realization that people are broken and hurting and separated from God and they need Jesus. When I was a kid, I did grow up in one of those amen in churches. And they used to sing, there were people who used to sing a lot, people need the Lord. Y'all remember that was one of those 80s songs? Some of those 80s songs in the church made me uncomfortable. They sounded like lounge songs, so I was always a little nervous about the way they, they came across. But the words for that song is, people need the Lord. Think about it in your mind. You know somebody right now. See, that's the power of God's Word. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That the minute that I began to speak to you about evangelism this morning, about the need that people have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'll bet you that nearly every one of you had a name pop into your mind, didn't you? There's a face right now. There's that co-worker that you know. There's that, that student that you know. There's that friend that you know. That, that parent or that brother or that sister or that aunt or that uncle. That old friend. And they're right there. And you're going, oh. Have you shared? Have you warned? Have you loved? People need the Lord. Not just theoretical people. People that you know. Think about it right now. Who do you know who needs the Lord? So do you believe in the power of the gospel for that person? Do you believe that person can be saved? Do you believe that person can be rescued? Can I tell you this? The blood of Jesus is enough to cover the sins of all mankind. All who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The need is real. second thing this morning I want us to see is that the road can be long. Look at Paul. Paul says, I'm eager to preach to you. Well, that's good. But if we go back up there, what did he say? He said, I've been trying to get there for a while. How many of you have that friend that you've been trying to get there for a while? How many of you know that person that you've been longing, you've been patiently eager, you've been praying for them to come to Jesus for a while? How many of you? Surely somebody in here has that person that you've been waiting. Maybe you've been praying for just the opportunity to share the gospel with that person. Maybe you've been trying to work out an opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe they've heard the gospel from you a bunch of times and you're just waiting for something to take place. Folks, I want you to know that the story of the gospel can be long. Paul says, I've been trying to get there. I've been wanting to get there. Can I urge you this morning that part of being a follower of Jesus means growing in patience? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One time I said happiness in the sermon and I got reprimanded. That's not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Patience. The Bible says that the Lord is patient, wanting, none that, wanting that none should perish, but that all will come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
Man, we can be so impatient. Paul says, I'm eager. Do you understand that when Paul didn't get to Rome, Paul didn't just go, oh, well, no way. I guess, I guess the Lord just didn't want me to be there. I guess that just wasn't in God's will. Paul says, now, I'm trying my best to get to you because I want to share the gospel. Folks, who do you know that need to hear it? Who do you know that needs to hear it? You say, Craig, you don't understand. This person is 70 years old. Okay. I've seen 70-year-olds come to Jesus. You don't know what they've been through. Okay. We could stand up and have testimony time, and people could say, let me tell you where I was and then what God did. Folks, there are people, and I love this. These, these are my favorites. There are people that are, that are Christians and following Jesus here. Other people walk in and they do this. What are you doing here? Last time I saw you, yeah, yeah, I know where I was last time you saw me, but let's just not go there. Folks, the road can be long. Are you willing to walk that long road with people that need the Lord? We want to see the gospel be effective, but it just hasn't happened yet. What's it look like to walk that long journey of salvation? Okay, what's it look like? One of the things that we as evangelicals have done wrong sometimes, and as Baptists in particular, we are right, hear me say, we are right to emphasize conversions because people need the Lord. We are right to emphasize evangelism because until you have communicated the gospel, you've not effectively done missions. We are wrong to assume that if I told you about Jesus, I've done my job and I'm going to leave you alone. Folks, there's a whole lot of people that are going to come to Jesus because Christian people have cared enough to invest deeply for the long haul and to continue to communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unsaved people do unsaved things. But what they desperately need is to be influenced by the people of God. Are you willing to be patient with people who might not hear the gospel the first time? Are you willing to say it again and again and again and again and again? Are you? I had a friend some years ago who was battling an, an alcohol addiction. And uh, an addiction's an evil thing. It's, it's a demonic stronghold that gets in people's lives. But man, when he got, he, he decided he wanted to get clean, and of course we wanted to support him. There were several of us that did. Y'all, I lost so much sleep trying to help that man through those times. Because he was drinking to go to bed and drinking to wake up. What that meant was he wasn't sleeping a whole lot. And it meant he needed a whole lot of moral support to not drink a whole lot. Which meant that me, who didn't drink to go to bed at night and could just fall asleep whenever I got ready, was exhausted all the time. Because at 1 o'clock, he's still awake in the morning, not the afternoon. And I'm like, please, somebody take me out of my misery. Folks, are we willing to walk the long, hard roads with people that need the gospel? You see, sometimes sharing the gospel requires more than just flashing a pan, cold call sort of, 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 of debate. It's more that I, I want you to share the gospel with your waitress. I want you to share the gospel with the guy at the gas pump. I do. 
But I, I, I just want to make sure that you are also willing to share the gospel with your cousin at Thanksgiving and again at Christmas and again at Easter and at the kids' ball game. And, and I want you to be willing to be patient with that cousin. Once you've shared it with them and they didn't want to hear it, are you willing to continue to go and be there with them and to not cram it down their throats to make sure they know that God loves them and that you love them, but you're going to continue to walk that journey? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to commit to praying for those folks for the long haul and waiting for the opportunity when God presents it that they will hear it again? Are you willing to pray that God would plow the ground ahead of you so that the soil would be fertile? Y'all, we've got to be willing to do the hard things. The road can be long. The road to seeing your children come to Christ can be long. Parents, are you willing to do the hard things? The hard things. We live in a microwave culture, and I know all about a microwave culture because right now we, we've just moved, and we don't currently have a microwave. Don't try to give me one after service. We can afford a microwave. We just don't know what we want, right? Do, do you want one that sits on the counter? Do you want one that mounts? Do you, they, they got these that are in a drawer now. What is that all about? Right? I mean, what, what do we want? And by we, I mean, Angela, let's just be honest. But that means that right now we don't have a microwave. Okay? Yesterday, it was lunchtime. We are working in, in, in to, to try and get everything organized in this new house. And it's time to eat lunch. And there's leftover pizza from Friday night. And you know, we just got to grab it and throw it in the microwave for 15 seconds and you got pizza and the kids can eat. But guess what? We don't have a microwave. So I got these four kids who were hungry. And you know what? They had, they had to wait 15 minutes before that pizza was warm enough for them to eat it. 15 whole minutes. You'd have thought Sloan was going to die. 15 minutes. I'm hungry. We know you're hungry. Please leave us alone. But we live in a microwave culture, don't we? We live in a we live in a micro, Clemson fans learned about that microwave culture last night. They just kept hanging on for that thing to work out. We live in a microwave culture. And look, there's this belief that if I gave you the gospel, you should have got saved. I'm curious. How, and, and just seriously, how many we're gonna do don't don't raise your hand until I finish the question. You don't want to get caught. How many of y'all had to hear the gospel more than five times before you were saved? Look around, folks. How many of you think you heard it more than 10? How many of you think you heard it more than 20? How many of you grew up in a church? Okay. And how many of you were saved after you were six years old? Okay. Okay. Let's do the math. You grew up in the church. So you grew up in the church. You attended church. Let's just say just once a week for six years. That's 52 times a year that you heard the gospel message preached for six years if you were saved when you were seven years old. Do the math. You heard the gospel 300 times before you gave your life to Jesus. And we get frustrated because somebody doesn't get saved the minute I told them about Jesus. You're no better than they are and neither am I. I was nine years old when I gave my life to Christ. By that point, I had probably heard the gospel message preached to me a thousand times. Literally a thousand 
times. Well, I told them about Jesus. Folks, they've been telling you about Jesus your whole life, and it took you that long to figure it out. Be patient. Paul says, I've been trying to get there. Listen, you know what? I want to see one of you bring somebody down the aisle one day, and I want you to put your arm around them, and you say, I've been trying to get there. And we finally got there. I love it. I love it when, when folks get saved late in life. And I love to hear their spouse say, I've been praying for 20 years, for 30 years, for 40 years. I didn't quit. I didn't stop. Don't give up. The road can be long. But folks, part of being fervent in our evangelism is being willing to stick it out for the long haul. Keep going. Because why? Because that brings to our third point. Because we believe that the gospel is enough. We actually believe that it is powerful. What's it look like for the gospel to be enough? When you're fishing, have you ever seen anybody fish with a bait that they didn't have any confidence in? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Me and my brothers, we have this saying. We talk about you got to be confident with your bait. And we talk about them when we're fishing. We actually talk about that in everything. Okay? So if you're trying to sell something, you got to be confident in what you're working with. But somebody that is, that is not confident in what they're fit, they're timid, right? So they, they kind of throw it here, they kind of throw it there. They don't know how it's going to respond. But when you're confident in your bait, man, you'll throw that thing anywhere. Listen, I've got a particular, I ain't going to tell you all what it is, but I've got a particular worm that I fish with. I'll come catch fish in your pond or your lake or anywhere in the world. I believe that I could catch shark with that thing. I'm telling you. I'm serious. I think I could go to Asia and fish for whatever they got. I'm confident in it. Yeah, I'm so confident when I walk up, people say, we ain't catching nothing. I say, y'all move. And I, whoop, I flip that thing wherever I want it to go. We were at a life group fellowship a few weeks back. Nobody's ca- We caught a little one here. I said, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to catch a fish. You know what I did? I took that thing and I stuck that worm right where I wanted it. And I pulled out a three-pounder. Y'all talked about fish stories this morning. It might have been five. Man, I'm confident in it. I'm so confident, sometimes I show up to fish with nothing but a rod and a reel and that pack of worms in my back pocket. And that's all I bring. I do usually have an extra hook. Folks, are you confident in the power of the gospel? Do you believe that it is actually enough? Folks, just like we need to have confidence when we're fishing, the same's got to be true in evangelism. You've got to be confident the proclamation of the gospel is so powerful that it affects salvation in those who believe. I love the way that Tom Schreiner said that. It affects salvation. It's what brings it about. It is the electrical charge that brings the power. You didn't save yourself. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power that brings about your salvation. It is that strong. Do you believe it? Do you believe it so much that you walk up into the darkest place in all of the world? And somebody says, what are you going to do? You say, I got, I've got the answer. And you just walk in and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Are you willing to walk in with Jesus and nothing else? And somebody says, nothing has worked here. And you say, it's all right because I've got the answer. Folks, you don't need gimmicks. You don't need polished presentations. You just need the gospel. When Angela and I were in Latvia last fall, I preached on a Sunday morning. 
I've been preaching off and on since I was in my teens, and I've been preaching regularly since I was 19 years old. I've preached some bad sermons. Thank you, Kevin. I've heard yours, buddy. I'm just saying. Some of y'all have preached some bad sermons. I've heard those too. Y'all, I've preached some bad sermons. I'm not sure I've ever preached a worse sermon than I preached last fall in Adagi, Latvia. It was terrible. Okay? There were like 15 people in the whole room. I'm having to speak through a translator, which is really difficult, even if you're good at it, and I'm not. And the translator is trying to translate not just theological terms, which is very difficult, but he's trying to translate my version of English. Let y'all think about that for a minute. It was so bad. Luke and Patty Talbert, our missionaries there, were sitting right there in the front row, and the sermon went like this. I would say a sentence. The interpreter would try to interpret my sentence. Patty would correct the interpreter's interpretation. Everybody would look around in the room, and they kind of nod their head. I'd talk to Luke and Patty so I could figure out what in the world was going on, and then I'd go on to the next sentence. Y'all, it was awful. By the time I finished, I was sweating, I was upset, I was nervous. I mean, listen, they were so excited for me to come and preach to them, and I showed up and I laid an egg. <laughs> and a woman got saved. What? What? I said, I said what, is, what is going on? woman got saved. How does that happen? We had a guy here get saved during the announcements a couple years ago. During the announcements. How does that happen? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. And Craig Thompson can go and mess up a sermon. And he can mess up a translator, and the translator can be so bad that the, the Americans who are new to the country have got to figure out how to turn whatever I'm saying and whatever he's saying into something that everybody else can appreciate and can get something out of. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus can still effect salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit and the shed blood of Christ in the lives of those who are far, far from Jesus. You know, in that same sermon, it just so happened that an English-speaking woman showed up to hear the message. Why? Because not only is the power of the gospel enough to bring about salvation, ready for this? The power of the Holy Spirit is strong enough to draw them in. You're not here by an accident today. You're not in this room by accident. You're here today because... God made an appointment for you to hear this message. You're here because the Holy Spirit has a desire for you to hear this message. Perhaps more than anything else God wants you to hear this morning, the gospel is enough. What's it enough to do? It's powerful to save you from your sin. But watch this. We're going to come to the Lord's Supper in just a minute, but let me give you this. 
Paul was going to preach to the Roman church. The people to whom Paul was writing were the church. In other words, they were followers of Jesus. They had already given their life to Christ. And Paul says, I can't wait to get there and preach to you the gospel. Because the gospel isn't just for lost people. The gospel is for saved people. And the gospel can continue to work. This morning, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper. Our children are going to walk in. Don't be distracted. As we look at the Lord's Supper this morning, and as our deacons begin to make their way up front, the Lord's Supper is the gospel on display. Because the Lord's Supper is a reminder of what God did on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there on the cross of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Jesus' bro- Jesus's body was broken and His blood was shed so that your sins and mine could be forgiven. And so this morning, with that in mind, and with the reminder that the gospel is powerful, we're going to come to observe the Lord's Supper.